0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hey, I want to just take a moment and say thank you for spending part of your weekend with us. We're on week three of our series on choosing your journey. Uh, and we see a lot going on in our culture, in our lives. As Sean was talking, you know, we can choose a lot of different things in our lives. Too often we choose to listen to lies. we choose to listen to culture, we choose to listen to... Um, outside voices that are telling us this and that, and, and it really confuses us. And we've been discussing how these choices really affect our whole life. And we need to understand that it's even the small choices that make a big difference. And so I'm not asking you guys to, to take what we're talking about and make some gigantic, huge change. Okay, because it doesn't happen like that. Honestly, you talk to most successful people, they've made a thousand small choices that got them to where they are. And so if you want to be successful in life, it's not about saying, okay, I'm just going to stop doing this or I'm going to start doing this. It's starting to make choices that are going to make a difference. And that's really what we talked about the first week is what do you value? Where is your value system rooted in? And if our value system, honestly, I believe if you don't believe, sorry, but I believe if your value system isn't rooted in the kingdom and what God thinks is important, you will be tossed to and fro by the world, always looking for something to make you feel better, look happy, or feel something that isn't real. And so we're constantly looking for whatever it is, whether it's, you know, friends, or it's houses, or it's cars, or it's alcohol, or it's addictions, whatever it is, we're always looking for something that can fill what's missing inside, because our value system is wrong. And now, see, if it was easy to just say, well, guess what, I'm going to quit doing this, how many of y'all know we wouldn't have Celebrate Recovery we wouldn't have different groups that help people get through this. It's not that simple because if it was, we wouldn't need all that. Yes, Jesus can heal it all. I truly believe that. But guess what? Jesus also gave us people to help us walk through this. As I was thinking about again this week and everything that goes on, and I'm thinking about, you know, watching those wildlife shows. How many of you guys like watching those wildlife shows on the National Geographic and stuff? Okay, maybe just me. And, and, you know, you got the pride alliance and they're going out hunting. And when they go out hunting and they see a whole big group of wildebeests, do they attack the group or do they separate somebody who chose to believe a lie? See, you're an easy target when your value system is on thinking you can do it alone because then you can believe lies. You can be tricked into thinking something that isn't true. And so they always attack the smallest, the weakest, the oldest, the injured, and they separate them from the group. Now, to me, that's why, it's why church and coming together is so important to me. Not just the fact that Jesus said it or the Holy Spirit said it through Paul, do not forsake the gathering together as some have. Not just because of that, but because, guess what, I know I can't do this on my own. And I'm going to get more into that because that's what this week talks about is how to choose the right team to get to where you want to go because we all need a team. The greatest man who ever walked the face of the earth who did not need to put together a team chose 12 to be on his team. So if he had needed a team, I really need a team. You really need a team. See, we can't do it alone. So the greatest choice that we all have to make when figuring out what we want to do is, am I going to surrender my life and my heart to Jesus? That is the greatest choice I truly believe any of us can make. See, when I chose to follow Jesus, I had to leave my past behind. And I had to not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow and make choices today. Because what I choose today is going to affect my tomorrow. And if I think it's not going to, there's always a consequence for the choices I make. And I don't like them. Most of the time, the choices I make, the wrong choices I make, I don't want to pay the consequences. None of us do. But I'm here to tell you this morning that choosing the right values Placing values in the right place and learning to place them in Jesus will make a big difference. Will it make it easy? No. Because we all know that when we come to Jesus, it hurts because he got to take a lot of junk that we've carried. It's why I I put for my own life and, and, you know, again, thank you, Sean and Iden, for this morning. I place a value on worship. Because honestly, and and I wrote this quote down from Louis Giglio talking about values and worship, is this worship is our response to what we value most. As a result, worship fuels our actions and it becomes the driving force in all we do. And yes, it's not just about music. Worship is a lifestyle. But it, it's based on what you value most. I was watching an old sermon from Reinhard Bonnke last night and some David Wilkerson stuff last night,, "Sorry, I'm old school. I just like those guys who just punch you in the face and tell you like it is." And, and they are just say, you know they're making the statements, and, and David Wilkerson and they're, they're both making the same statements on the Holy Spirit and placing value on the kingdom and understanding there's nothing greater. And when we place our value there, it's, it's always there. And this is another lie that Sean talking about that we choose to believe that, that one of them talked about last night is, is we always want to say, God, give us fresh fire. And Reinhard Bonnke made the statement when does fire go stale? If you've been anointed by the Holy Spirit, you've been anointed with his fire. You don't need a fresh fire, you need a rekindling of the fire you got because it doesn't go bad. We may cover it up, but it doesn't go bad. And when we, we talked last week about choosing the right guide for our life, who are you going to follow? Because you're all going to follow somebody. We're all going to follow somebody or something. you got to choose what that's going to be. Is it going to be, I'm going I'm to come to church, I'm going to complain about everything that's going on in my own mind. I'm not going to tell anybody else because my life's my problem. And then I'm going to really, you know, seek God while I'm here. But then when I go home, I'm going to sit in front of the TV. That's what a lot of us do. Or I'm going to distract myself with something else. And as one of the other messages, like I said, I watched about six of them last night. was was going through he's like you know if you when you read through your bible and and i started looking this stuff up and he wasn't lying um, when you read your bible all true change started with men who prayed they were broken for god whether it was Jeremiah, whether it was Nehemiah, whether it was Joshua, whether it was Moses, you look back, they set their sights on God. And they prayed. And they fasted. And they sought His face. And so they understood that the guide was the Holy Spirit drawing them. Now understand, they didn't have the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament like we do today. We take it for granted today, the Holy Spirit we have living inside of us. They didn't have that in the Old Testament occasionally you will read about the, how the Holy Spirit fell on somebody, like Samson or David. You'll hear about the Holy Fe- Spirit fell on prophets. But when Jesus left, he said, I'm going to send you a guide. I'm going to send you an advocate. I'm going to send you a comforter. All you have to do is receive him. And he will guide you through this life. Now, that's what we talked about a few weeks ago, where we got to strap it up and put on the full armor of God because we got our flesh that fights against our spirit. They're a constant battle. The world and the worldly views and culture is is constantly at war with who God is. Why? Because we live in a broken, sinful world. But I, I want to give you encouragement today that it's already been defeated. Jesus has already defeated it. And so we can walk in victory even though we have defeat, even though we see defeat, even though we feel defeat. We can walk out with the truth that says Jesus says you are already won. So why do we walk around looking at some of the most sourpuss people in the world as Christians? I love David um, Crowder's old song, We Win. You don't know it? Look it up on YouTube. It's an awesome song. And it's just basically, I'm going to shout loud until God shows up, because I already won. So where we're going to go to today is understanding we're also talking about our future. When we choose the right values, when we start choosing the right guide, the Holy Spirit will lead you to a dream that will scare you. And here's a tip for y'all. If the dream you have doesn't scare you, it probably ain't from God. Trust me, this right here, not on my radar. This building right here, not on my radar when I started here. God will scare you with his dreams. But that's why it's so key that we choose the right team. Because I could not have done this on my own. Now I do know Jesus says, guess what, I will build my church. So when people say, and people ask you, how many people go to your church? How are you going to get new people into your church? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? Say, guess what, Jesus said he'll build his church, I need to follow him. See, it's not about what can we do. It's about what Jesus has already done. And He will bring people into your life. Genesis 2:18 says this: "It is not good for man to be alone." So from the beginning, God says, "You need a team." He said, "Not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to try to do this by yourself. See, we're wired for relationships. We're created to live in community. As much as some people annoy you, you need people in your life. Woohoo! Some of y'all excited about that one. <laughs> See, you cannot fulfill God's purpose for your life by yourself. It's why Jesus told the twelve, and he, and he told his followers to go to the upper room and wait for the gift of the Father. Why? Because Jesus knew the work He had called us to do to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He knew we would not and could not do that on our own. We would not only need a team of people, but we would need God's team on our side too. So we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working with us. And so we learn to move forward. We learn to say, to choose the right team, I have to look, I have to be willing to learn, I have to be willing to open up my heart. And when we think about putting together our team, we need four kinds of people around us. And I just want to talk about them real quick. Okay, the first kind of person you need in your life when you're starting to think about your team is you need a model. You need somebody to follow. You need somebody that you can look at and say, okay, that's where I want to go. How did they get there? you always need to stretch yourself to something a little bit bigger. Now, if you think about it for how, how I look at things and just how my weird mind works, as I look at stuff, as I, I'm i always looking one step ahead. Who is, as a church, who's one step ahead of us? And so that's why I, I want to model what we do after. Why? Because they're... And I, I check them out, make sure they're following God, make sure their heart's in the right place, and I do all the due diligence to make sure I'm doing it right. But I have somebody I can model. I have somebody I can follow. Now, when Emil started this church, he created a good model for me to step up and start doing this because he just flat loved people. Now, we are two different polar opposite personalities when it comes to how we do things. See, your model isn't like you. Your model is like something you want to become. Don't confuse the two. Because if I model someone who's just like me, all you're going to get is a copycat. And trust me, I don't want two of me. One of me is more than enough. So we need models. And the second thing we need is mentors. We need a coach, somebody we can go to that's willing to to teach us, to speak into our lives. We need somebody who we can go to and says, understand that not there's no one person that can mentor every area of your life. You may need multiple multiple mentors. You may need multiple people in your life who are going to fit a lot of different needs at different times. You know, I have a few different pastors that I, I, that I consider my mentor, and I call them with questions. I call them and talk to them. I said, hey, what would you do in this situation? How would you handle this? Why? Because I don't have all the answers. I don't even pretend to have all the answers. As I told you before, I'm just dumb enough to believe what God said. And that's all I need to be. I need to understand that what God said is true. What I think is, if it doesn't line up with that, is wrong. So I need to switch how I'm thinking. So I go to my mentors and say, how do you deal with this? How did you deal with this situation? And that's how we learn, right? That's how we start to grow. The third thing we see is partners. And our partners are actually our people who actually share our dream. Now, when we started talking about planting this church or revitalizing this church and start doing different things, I started to call around me people who shared that dream and vision of of a church that would reach the community in Rice and reach the 10-mile surrounding area in Rice. They share your vision, they share your cause. They share your purpose. And you need partners like that. Why? Because as those partners come alongside you, they encourage you when you don't feel like going, moving, keeping moving forward. And the third thing, or the fourth one you need is you need friends who pray and love you. No matter what. Because guess what? As hard as this is to believe, I can rub people the wrong way. Just saying. If you don't believe me, you ain't hung around with me long enough. <laughs> I, will, I, am, I am passionate. I am 100 miles an hour forward at all times. And so I need people around me who can tell me to, hey, Gene, slow down. I need friends who are willing to say, guess what, I don't share your passion for what you're doing. You know, and, and some of those friends you have aren't going to share your dream. But they're going to be there. They, they, they may not share where you're headed with your life, but they are not leaving your side, they're still going to be there with you. And we need friends like that. And for me, as I studied and and as I read Scripture, you know, you look at the life of David, and we've talked about this, and I've used this illustration before, and it still fits to this, is David had three friends that that the Bible tells us about. And we need those three types of friends. We need the Samuel in our life who sees something more in us than we see in ourselves and will anoint us king when we're still a teenager. I mean, if you think about that story, what Samuel, yes, listening to God, anointed David as the runt of the litter and said, I see you a king. I see you as royalty. See, we need friends like that who see something in us that we don't see in ourselves that will speak into our lives. We need a friend like Jonathan. Now, here's a weird pair. Saul is the king. David is the anointed king. Saul hates David and wants to kill him. Saul's son Jonathan says, I love you, David. This is just a quirky pair when you think about it. But David was that, or Jonathan was that ride or die friend. He's like, dude, I am here for you all the time. Hey, this is what my dad's going to do. Why don't you go somewhere else? Hey, this is what's happening. I'm going to be here for you. And Jonathan was always there for David. I'll shoot an arrow out here and warn you if this is happening. I'm sorry, I'm paraphrasing a lot of these stories. They're in there, trust me. Go back, go to read your Bible. Um, but Jonathan was just with David. He, was just, he just loved David. And we need friends like that. We need friends who just love all our quirks. Like I just censored myself there. And then we need that third friend called Nathan. Who says, Hey, I see you doing this. You need to knock it off. You need to grow up. You need to mature. You are the one doing what's wrong. It's time to change. See, we need that type of friend as well. See, if all I have is friends that, that want to encourage me, I start to get prideful because I think I know it all. They all tell me how great I am. I must be great. That's why we need that other friend who said, <laughs> you ain't that good. See, we need each other. We need to speak into each other's lives. And the way that we accomplish that here is why we're starting experiencing God. Life groups are a way to get into each other's lives. See, relationships don't start, or they start Sunday morning, but they don't grow here. They grow when you start doing life outside of here. And so we look at David. There's an old phrase in Africa. It's an old proverb, and it says, if you want to run fast, run by yourself. But if you want to run far, do it with other people. Now that to me, the reason I pulled that out is I hate to run. But I can remember when I was in the military, I could run. Because we had to run every day. But it was the unit running together. It wasn't you. Cause I, I, had to do my, my physical test one year because I was sick. So I couldn't take it when it was, t- when the rest of the group took it. So I had to take it by myself. You know, there was a two minute difference in my two and a quarter mile run that year, slower because I ran it by myself. And I was actually more tired at the end of that than when I ran it a year before with the group. Where we had somebody that set the pace and we just ran as a group encouraging each other to go along. We had to do that in boot camp. Our final two, now again, we weren't rabbits. We weren't running at a high rate of speed. It was two and a quarter miles in 18 minutes. But guess what? You had to run that as a group. If there was a person falling behind, the whole group slowed down for that person to catch up. You couldn't get ahead of the group. Or you had the GIs and everybody else yelling at you to slow down and get back with your group. Why? Because when everyone succeeds, everyone succeeds. If one succeeds and the team fails, the team fails. And so they, they taught us how to work together as a team. And when we get in, our main verse, sorry, I'm just getting to it for today, is found in 1 Corinthians 3.9, where this whole thought process comes from. Is It says, for we are God's fellow workers. It says we are partners in another version with God. It means you are God's field, you are God's building, but we all are in this together. See, it's again, we, you've heard me talk about it before, it's not my job to do everything. I've been told before by friends, is saying, guess what, you're not Bridge Church, we are Bridge Church. And I have to remind myself of that. And I was, again, going back to one of the messages I was listening to last night, and I thought about it this morning again. I have been so busy working for God to get His work done that I forgot to work with Him. Big difference. God doesn't want us working for Him. He wants us working with Him. And see, He had gotten so busy, and, you know, He goes, apparently I was popular. As David Wilkerson, He started Teen Challenge. So He was invited around the world preach and he goes one day i woke up and said i am too busy i am no longer working with god i'm working for it and i needed to slow down to get back to the place of surrender to get back to the place of prayer to get back to the place of need and submission to what god wants to see us do see we're partners we need a team in life and it just makes sense, if Jesus did it, that we should do it. So why do you need a team in your life? First up is how many of y'all know you have weaknesses? We have blind spots. Well, the Bible gives us a cure for that. Romans 1.12 says, I want us to help each other with the faith. He says, your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. That's in the New Century version. See, I have blind spots. I have weaknesses. I am big picture guy. You bring Linda in alongside of me, who's on our team, she is detailed beyond belief. Sean, you bring him in alongside of me, he wants to also look at things from different angles. What if this? What if that? So together, we fill in each other's weaknesses with the strengths, because guess what? If all it was was my big dream we would be broke and close our doors. Because I'm already thinking our next building. Because that's what God has called us to do. So they're like, hey, slow down, Gene. Why don't we get this one finished first? I'm like, dude, yeah, you you go ahead and finish this one off. I'm going to go to the next one. But I need to, they pull the reins back and say, I'll help you. You got to help me, though. So we got to work together to make this happen. And the second thing is, guess what? Having that team brings out the best in me. It'll bring out the best in you. Having those people will challenge you to become better. It'll say, okay, yeah, Gene, you're a big dreamer, but you're missing the details of how we need to do it. So then I can step back and say, okay, how can we make this better? Every week when we walk in here and we talk about it as a team, is what can we do better? How can we portray ourselves better? How can we welcome people better? And we and we challenge each other with that is how can I become better? What do I need to do to become better? Third thing is when you have more people and you have that team as you can get more done. Oh, Proverbs 27, 17 on the last one it says, just as iron sharpens iron, friendships sharpen and shape each other. This one to get more done, Ecclesiastes 4 9, we all know it, we know this one. It says two people are always better than one because they can accomplish more working together. See, the Bible tells us, it, it gives us the, the picture of saying, guess what? It says before that, it says, guess what? One can be easily defeated. And by myself, if a group of ten, and I was going to do an illustration, but I ran out of time trying to figure out how to do it, of, of just bringing a chair up here and let me sit in it, and then calling up, say, Kim, to come and pick up the chair and move it. I'm not skinny. It's probably going to take more than Kim to pick up that chair. But guess what? Then she can call up a friend, and they try Ooh, you can start to budget. Again, I'm a big guy. Um, And then, you know, say, Sean now calls up Adam. And now we got three people. And all of a sudden, you start getting six people around that. How easy is it going to be to move that chair? See, we can get more done when we bring people alongside us. And we say, guess what? Yes, I know I have shortcomings. No, I'm not so prideful that I can't. That I'm going to keep my blind spots up. And when you tell me that I need to look at something a little bit differently, I'm not going to look at it because I know everything. I'm going to listen. And I'm going to say, guess what? Together we can get more done. The, the fourth thing with that is it helps me get back up when I stumble because we're all going to stumble. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to fall. We're all, we've are all we all fallen short of the glory of God. And so we're going to stumble. But when, when I have the friends and I have my companions with me, Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, if you fall, a companion can help you get up. But if you fall by yourself, you're in real trouble because there's no one there to help you. See, I want somebody alongside of me. Remember that old old commercial that used to be on TV? I've fallen and I can't get up for Lifeline. Is it? I don't have TV anymore, so I don't know. Um, you know, again, we push that. Why? Because they could push a button and they'd have a team that would come and help them. Right? That's why they had the button. Is I fall and I can't get up. Well, see, if you're by yourself and you got no way to get a hold of buddy and you got no friends and, and you're worried about what they might think if they found out you're struggling with this, that's your pride getting in the way of God saying, Hey, guess what? I can use I can use somebody to come alongside and help you. And we can say, Okay, guess what? Come alongside, help me get back up and help me get back on my feet. Because how many of y'all ever hit below rock bottom? Okay, not many of you, just me. It's all good. Guess what? I needed somebody to come alongside of me. Now, it happened to be my uncle in Alabama who came alongside of me and called me out on it. My mom's best advice she could give me was don't do anything stupid. Today, right now, that is the best, best, that's the best I got on that, okay? Uh, Because it was true. I'm like, okay, it kept running in my head when I wanted to do something stupid. Um, Your mom said, don't do nothing stupid. I'm like, I'm 33, I can do what I want. Yeah, but you're going to do something stupid, it ain't going to work out. And so I called my uncle and said, hey, this is what's going on, man. He, and, and his love for God, like I said, he's one of those dudes that would say praise God, you know, at any time. And you just knew he meant it. The way he said it, the spirit he had, you knew it wasn't that something. Because you all, I know you all have heard somebody, and they say amen at the weirdest times. It's like, you amen, and I just let the dog out. Yeah. Um, and But when, when he said it, it was like, okay, yeah, this, this dude is just, he's connected. He knew God. He was filled with the Spirit. And so I called him up and said, hey, this is what's going on. He says, hey, Gene, this is what's got to happen. And he started pointing me into Scripture, started giving me the guide. It pushed me to a church called St. Cloud First at that time. Because I knew I needed something different. And guess what? Somebody walked up to me that day and welcomed me. My three earrings, flat top, and Raiders gear. Not a good attitude. But I knew if we didn't put God first, nothing would work. And a team started to build around me. Honestly, Sean coming up here is from that team that started from that. So God can use people. The fifth thing it does is it helps you resist attacks and criticism. Ecclesiastes 4.12 with a combination of the message and New Living Translation. It says, by yourself you're unprotected. An enemy can attack and defeat you, but two can stand back to back and resist. And a team of three is even better, like a triple braided rope which does not break easily. And so we need to understand that's why we need a team. So we can withstand those things. And to finish up this morning... How fast do I got to go? Oh... I got six minutes. <laughs> I want to give you some, five thought processes of what to look for when you're choosing your team. Because guess what? They ain't going to just show up on accident. You have to be intentional about choosing your team. And the first thing you want to do when you're looking for that teammate is you want to choose someone who loves and serves God. Why? Because if you don't, You'll be in the same boat you're in today still looking to make a change. Again, a drowning person can't help a drowning person. See, we want to be everyone's rescuer today. There's only one rescuer and his name is Jesus. We want to stop people from paying the consequences of their choices. But that consequence may be the very thing that God needs to use to get their attention. And so when you're learning to pick a team, learn to pick people who love and serve God. If we look at 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, don't team up with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership, that's war. Can light be best friends with darkness? How can Christ and Satan agree on anything? See, there are people we need to help. But there are people we need on our team as well. Those people we need to help. I love it at our at our CMN launch. One of our instructors made a statement that Christy and I still talk about all the time. And his statement on kind of how we how we set things up here is everyone can be on the team, but not everyone's in the starting lineup. See, everyone is welcome here but I want to introduce them to Jesus before they can start getting and playing some games. And it's the thought process also of great, great glad you all showed up for church this morning, but what are you going to do when you leave here? Is, is what you're doing here right now mirroring what you're doing when you leave? Are we just playing Christianity, which is what Jesus came to defeat in the Pharisees? See, when we choose people who love and serve God, We choose people who are going to challenge us to grow. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Second thing is you want to choose people who are committed to grow in character. See, if somebody thinks they've already got it all figured out, run. Because none of us do. Proverbs 10.9 says people with integrity have firm footing, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. Proverbs 3.34 says God has no use for conceited people, but he shows favor to those who are humble. Proverbs 22.9 says generous people will be blessed. And Psalm 92, 12 through 14 says, Godly people will grow and flourish like palm trees. Even in old age, they will still bear fruit and they will stay fresh and green. See, this side of heaven, we all have to continue to grow. And God prunes us along the way. God will cut back along the way what doesn't need to be there. God will chisel away doesn't need to be there along the way but you gotta be willing to let god do his work in his time for as long as he needs and continue to grow in character and again character is what happens when you're not here it's what happens when you're alone it's not what happens when people are watching and we all fall short again on that one don't beat yourself up if you struggle or don't beat yourself up if you stumble this is where when you got your team, you make a phone call and say, hey, pray for me. I'm struggling with this. I need help with this. And that's the third one, is people who do what's right even when it's hard. As I said before, you want to be liked, sell ice cream. They're the only, sell ice cream if you want to be liked. Because not everybody likes the ice cream, man. Not everybody likes a leader or someone who stands for what's right. And that's Okay. Because at the end of the day, can you be happy with who you are? Deuteronomy 12.28 says, if you, if you are careful to obey whatever God commands, then you'll be doing what is right and, and good in God's eyes. Then He will help you and your children be successful. And Psalm 34.19 says, People who do what is right may have many problems, but the Lord will solve them all. See, too often we try to fix all the problems. And God says, I got this. Fourth thing is you want to choose somebody who will handle criticism by focusing on who God is. Talked about that this week. As a pastor, guess what? And, and again, as a leader, as a teacher, as anything, you all face criticism. But if we focus on that criticism, and not on God, we can start to get hardened. We can start criticizing other people. But see, when, when I have somebody who comes up and, and wants to criticize something I do or something I say or, or anything like that, I will listen to it. And if there's any truth in there that I need to change, then I need to change it. But you all know that person who is just criticizes everything. They are constantly critical. They are constantly putting people down. They are con- Throw it out. Don't give it a second thought. Don't carry it. Let it go. Trust and focus on God. Because God will point out if there's something in it that you need to change. And that, or if you don't believe God's telling you something needs to change, but a good friend comes along to eyes and confirms what just was said, listen, because you are probably the one who's wrong. And that's why we need those friends. Matthew 5, 10 through 12 as Jesus said, you should be happy when you're attacked and persecuted for doing what God has told you to do. It shows that you belong to the kingdom of heaven. And God will bless you when people insult you or hurt you or, or say all kinds of evil lies about you because of me. Be happy and glad because you will be given a great reward in heaven. People did these exact same things to God's prophets who lived long ago. And he finishes and says, you are, are the salt of the earth. See, when we understand who God's called us to be, what other people say doesn't matter as much. The fifth and last thing is peop- you want to bring people on your team <laughs> who take bold risks in faith. How many all know you're never going to accomplish nothing if you keep doing the same thing you've always done? Yeah, we just get the same result we've always had. So we need to take a bold step of faith sometimes. And that's where you get around a big dreamer who will challenge you to take a step of faith. Now here's a question for you. What if it doesn't work? Wipe yourself off and do it all over. Because that's where your faith grows. Are you going to do it just because it's right? Or are you not going to do it because it's hard and it might not work out? How many people five years ago, and you guys can raise your hands too. This is more for you online who are watching. How many people thought Bridge Church would have a building in this, in this town five years ago and own six acres of land? Yeah, one hand that went up. He the only one that believed it. That it was a bold step of faith. That started off as we were talking this week with Shelley when she was home. In City Hall, we've taken some steps. We're following God. We brought a team alongside us. You guys have made this happen with God, not me. I'm dumb enough to take the leap. (laughs) And you guys are there to support me and lift me up and encourage me. See, I look at all you guys as being part of the team that God's brought together for this body, for this church. And so today, if you think about it, we have people climbing the ladder of success, but the problem is is when they get to the top, it's too late to realize they've leaned it against the wrong wall. Their success is in the wrong things. You need to take risks, but you need to take risks that are going to glorify God, not you. That's God's purpose for your life, is to do great things for Him. Now, if you're going to fulfill the purpose that God made you for, one thing you're going to have to do is try to, is you're going to have to stop being what everybody else thinks you should be and start being who God created you to be. And that's where experiencing God is going to come in and help us. Because it's going to teach us seven different facts of what it looks like to experience God and to hear God's voice and to follow Him. See, because if you're going to be what God wants you to be, at some point, some of y'all got to stop apologizing for being a Christian. Think about it. I've heard it. People are ashamed of being a Christian. They're ashamed of what God said in His Word. And Paul says, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it what brings freedom." See, so we got to stop being ashamed of what we believe. We got to stop apologizing for what we or what we know is true from God and start standing on His Word. It's going to take work, but you can stand firm on the solid rock that's called Jesus Christ and understand that He's got it. So I'm going to finish off today with a prayer that I wrote out that I want to pray over you guys. And you can pray it quietly in your heart if you want to. And so everybody just kind of bow your heads. And I want you to say this morning, God, I'm all in. I don't want to waste my life pleasing people who don't care about you. I want to please you. I want your favor. I want to live a life of integrity, humility, and generosity I want to surround my life with people who are committed to doing the right thing and don't get caught up in being critical and complaining but are positive in the face of criticism I want to live a life with people who serve and love you, who are growing and learning, and I want you to use me. I want to be part of this church family. Use your church family. Together we can make an impact for as long as we live. So Jesus Christ... I invite you to take over every area of my life. life. And And I thank you for accepting me into your family. And one day into heaven.